0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Everybody get a handout. If not, I know Donna has some there at the back door. If you missed that coming in, you can go back there and grab one really quick. We're going to continue, kind of looking at healing tonight, and just kind of want to give just a little bit of a review, kind of where we've been. You know, just over the last couple of months. Uh, we've, I know last week we kind of we talked about a few of the stories in Matthew chapter eight, and last week we talked about the healing of the leper. That was the very first healing miracle that's recorded. In Scripture, there uh, in Matthew eight. So I want you just to kind of again, just if you've never noticed this before, I want to just give you kind of a of a breakdown of Matthew eight. Now, um, and I, I should have put this on your notes, and maybe I'll I'll try to maybe include that next week. But in in Matthew chapter eight, in verses one through seventeen, you have Jesus kind of demonstrating his power over sickness, in Verses 18 to 27, you kind of see Jesus demonstrating his power and his authority over nature. And then in verses 28 through 34, you kind of see Jesus' power and his authority over the demonic realm. Now, again, if you break that down and just kind of go back to Matthew chapter 8 and just look at the first 17 verses in there. Okay? You have three verses healing miracles that occur just within those 17 verses. In verses 1 through 4, we looked at this last week, you have Jesus healing leprosy. In verses 5 through 13, Jesus heals a man who is paralyzed. Um, We've we've referred to that one. Uh, In verses 14 through 15, Jesus heals a fever. Okay, go back again. In verses 1 through 4 there in Matthew 8, Jesus heals a Jew. In verses 5 through 13, Jesus heals a Gentile. In verses 14 and 15, Jesus heals a Jew. Now go back again. Verses 1 through 17 there. In verses 1 through 4, Jesus heals a man. In verses 5 through 13, he heals a boy. In verses 14 through 15, he heals a woman. Now go back again. Verses 1 through 4, Jesus heals by touching. In verses 5 through 13, Jesus heals by speaking a word. In verses 14 through 15, Jesus heals by touching. Let's go back again. Verses uh, 1 through 17. Now in verses 1 through 4, Jesus heals on the spot right where he was. In verses 5 through 13, Jesus heals, but the person who receives the healing is not in the same place as Jesus. They're they're a distance away. And then verses 14 through 15, Jesus heals on the spot. Now, what is the point of all of that, and what does it prove? Well, Acts 10.38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, With the Holy Ghost and with power. Now, again, this is so, so important. Um, And and oftentimes where we kind of get sidelined in healing is a lot of times we just think that Jesus healed out of the fact that he was the Son of God. That Jesus really performed the healing miracles. Really everything Jesus did, he did out of his divine nature. Now, that's not true. A scripture kind of talks about that, that, yes, Jesus is fully God, fully man, but he set aside all of the claims to deity. He just sets that aside, and he decides, he makes a very strategic decision that everything he does, including the miracles, the healings, everything Jesus did, Jesus does it out of his humanity, He does it completely as man who is anointed and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, why does he do that? He does that because if he does it out of his divine nature, if Jesus heals others because he's the Son of God, because he's co-equal, co-eternal with God, we're sunk. We're not co-eternal. We're not co-equal with God. If Jesus does it out of his divinity, out of his divine nature, we can't operate in that. But if Jesus did all of that out of his humanity because he's 100% man who is anointed and filled with the Holy Ghost, guess what? We can do that. We can We can get filled with the same Holy Spirit that Jesus operated out of and that's why Jesus says greater things you shall do. He says these works you shall do and greater works than these shall you do because I'm going to go to the Father and he said and it's to your advantage, it's to your benefit. When I go to the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit that filled me, the Holy Spirit that operated through me, the Holy Spirit that did the healings, the miracles you can do the same thing because that same spirit that same power is going to be operating in and through you and that's why um in in acts it says how god anointed jesus that's his that is his name in humanity jesus is his name in humanity christ is his name in deity the two together jesus christ 100% man, 100% God. Um, So he says here, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, that's again, title of his humanity, with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now again, all, and the reason I kind of went back and just showed you Primarily, those first 17 verses in Matthew chapter 8 is because all means all. Young, old, male, female, Jew, Gentile, um, on the spot from a distance again these three opening healing miracles that Matthew records there in chapter 8 tells us it didn't matter to Jesus if you were young or old male or female, Jew or Gentile, whether you were were there with him or you were off uh, at another place, didn't matter what your level was in society uh, whether you were a centurion or whether you were just simply someone's mother-in-law, a leper who really was kind of deemed the lowest of the low in society, it still didn't matter because the atonement of Jesus Christ, again, when I say atonement, when Jesus hung, bled, and died on the cross for you and I, that's what I mean by atonement, and when he did that, he is atoning not just for our sins. See, we all understand it, and we believe that. No one, most Christians, you can't talk them out of that. But a lot of Christians, you can't talk them into the fact that that not only did he die for your sins, he also died and atoned for our diseases and sickness as well. Again, Jesus heals all. Now, it's interesting to me that the leper there in verses 1 through 4 and the centurion there in verses 5 through 15 both address Jesus as Lord. Lord. Now the word Lord in the Greek is the word Kyrios, and the word Lord in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word Jehovah. And again, what the the, the word Lord in the Greek is the equivalent; um, it is equal to, it is the same as Jehovah in the Old Testament. So when they when they came down, they're recognizing Jesus. You are. Not only 100% man, you are also 100% God. And so they addressed him uh, in in that terminology, Lord. It was as if they were saying Jehovah, God, uh, the equivalent of what we see there in the Old Testament. So both of these men are believers. Again, one is a Jew, one is a Gentile. One is as low as you can get, a leper. The other is probably as high as you can get in society. Um, You know, uh, he's he's a centurion. He's a leader in the Roman army. And again, both of them came and they addressed Jesus as Lord. Now, the religious leaders, they would never call Jesus Lord. Uh, Because there was so much power um, in that name. Now, throughout this series, we've been talking about what the Word of God says regarding divine healing. And again... that that I believe that it really uh, speaks to, again, the forgiveness of our sins as well as the carrying away of our sickness and diseases. And both of those were provided for on the cross of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, uh, bled and died, it was so we could experience, again, the complete forgiveness of all sins and the complete release from all uh, sickness and disease. And the reason that Jesus does this on the cross, and again, this is why it's so important, to you, you gotta link healing in with the work on the cross because what Jesus did on the cross, he did for everyone. So a lot of people wanna take atonement and they wanna remove it from the cross. And again, as I've said throughout the series, when you do that, then you can have a theology that says it's God's will to heal some, but not others. But if if healing is a part of the atoning work of what Jesus did on the cross, just as the forgiveness of our sins are, then what he did on the cross, he does for everyone. Young, old, male, female, Jew, Gentile, on the spot, from a distance. Again, that's kind of um, the, the point of this. Now, as I stated early on in the series, this is not new teaching. This, this really, there's nothing new to this. If you're, you know, like me, when I heard this for the first time, I was like, wow. And I was even more blown over when I realized this, this has been around for centuries, the teaching on this. We are at a place in our culture where where the, 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 the churches of today, we have forgotten this. We're ignorant to this. Our experiences run counter to this. And so we hear this for the first time, and our reaction kind of may be, wow, this is really new. I've never heard. This is a strange, it's not. This has been around for a long time. Time today's church, we've just abandoned it through disbelief or ignorance. This teaching on divine healing in the atonement, even parts of Hollywood, of all places, there was a time in Hollywood they understood and presented this. Um, One such example, and I'm gonna it's the clip I'm gonna show you tonight, is from the movie Ben Hur. Now, this movie was produced back in 1959. It won 11 Academy Awards, including Beck's Picture. Now, Ben-Hur is a story of a Jewish nobleman, and and he's played by Charleston Heston. And I'm going to show you a a clip from the movie. Now, I'm just going to warn you, it's about 20 minutes long, but it is 20 powerful minutes in the film. Uh, and I'm just going to kind of set the clip up for you. If you're not familiar with this movie, if you've never seen this, I ma- rent this. It, it, it's just a classic film, and I watch it usually about once a year, along with the Ten Commandments and Jesus of Nazareth. They're just things I just never grow tired uh, of watching those things. And it just really has a, a, a powerful message. Now, the setting of the movie, it, it takes place around the time of Jesus' life um and and it's just kind of leading into um his death and in the clip we're going to watch ben hur's mother and sister are plagued with leprosy we talked about that last week if you were here and they have been banished you know again we said last week you're just sent outside the city outside the camp you're not allowed to be Uh, a part of uh, normal society and so they have been banished to this leper colony now ben-hur's other sister esther she has heard the rumors that were going around about jesus's power and ability to heal sickness and disease and she is convinced If she can just get to her mother and her sister, get them out of that leper colony and get them to Jesus, Jesus is going to be able to heal them. And so uh, I I want you to pay just... I, I kind of have, have chosen the 20 minutes, um, but again, the, the 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 climax is just at the very end of the clip. Um, but I want you to kind of get into to what's happening, get into the storyline, because again, you're just going to see something really powerful here, and it's a point that I've really been uh, just illustrating throughout the series. So let's just go ahead and play that clip. Isn't that powerful? Again, Isaiah says, you know, he says, he bore our sicknesses. He carried our diseases away. Peter says that it is by his stripes we are healed. And, and that is just, again, such a powerful, they understood this back then. This is not new, Okay. People understood this. As a matter of fact, um, I I think it was the uh, Civil War general, uh, Lou Wallace, who wrote the book, Ben Hurd. This was written back in, I think, like 1880. And that's what this movie is based on. Again, they understood, they believed in this principle of sickness and disease being a, a very, very, um, inseparable part of the atoning work of Christ right up there with um, with forgiveness of sin. Again, this spiritual concept, it is taught, it is reiterated throughout the Word of God. Um, so again, this is just, everybody, I think most people in Ben-Hur remember the, the chariot ride. This is absolutely my favorite part, the, the last 20 minutes um, of the film, because again, it just makes such a beautiful statement of what Jesus accomplished, what He did for us on the cross of Christ, uh, the Old Testament book job, uh, again, one of the first uh, full books of the Bible that was ever written. A lot of times we kind of think because of where job lands in in the bible it 's kind of in the middle there. We kind of think that you know Job was written way after all of the other parts of the um, Old Testament, but if you ever get a hold of a chronological Bible, a Bible that's written in the order of events, what you will discover is is that the book of Job, in chronological order, it lands in right about Genesis 18, um, and it is and, and it is the full book of Job. So the book of Job, it is one of the oldest. It is one of the first. Written um, books, chronological order um, in the Bible. Now, the book of Job, what it says again, contains very clear teaching. On healing being in the atonement in job thirty three twenty four it states then let him God be gracious to him, and he's referring to mankind there, and say, deliver him from going down to the pit again the grave or destruction there I have found a ransom now that word ransom there in the Old Testament it really is the same Hebrew word for atonement it 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 they're they're uh, um, equal uh, in, in there. Uh, you'll find them often interchanged throughout the Old Testament. The word ransom for atonement. So Job is saying here, he's saying that God's graciousness toward mankind, is really based upon the fact that God has found a ransom and atonement. Then immediately, verse 25 uh, there in Job, shows us one of the first benefits of that ransom, of that atonement. And it says, let his flesh become fresher than his youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful Now again, this verse there clearly relates and ties back to physical healing. And these verses in Job, again, one of the first, the oldest book in the Bible um, shows, again, that there was a time coming that God was going to provide a final complete ransom an atonement that would once and for all deliver mankind from both the the there's the destruction of sin uh which was eternal separation from god as well as the destruction of sin through death uh and or sickness and disease again Jesus makes it very clear in the New Testament that he is that ransom that kind of Job alluded to there in the Old Testament. Uh, and he was sent for the very purpose of destroying. The works of the enemy. And again, one of the works of the enemy is sickness and disease. And so Jesus said, it is for this purpose I came that I might destroy the works of the enemy. He also said in Matthew 20, 28, he said, just as the son of man, that's a term of, again, his humanity. Son of God is a, is a title of his deity. Son of man is a title of his humanity. And he said, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a a ransom or an atonement for many so Jesus is that ransom that Job 33 refers to and that ransom that atonement that Jesus provided on the cross is to deliver everyone Uh, from that pit of physical, uh, spiritual destruction brought about through our sinfulness, as well as providing for our physical healing. Now, what we're going to do, I'm going to get started. I won't get anywhere near um, on your outline. Uh, We'll probably just get to point one, and we'll probably get through uh, a little bit of point one. But for the next couple of weeks, I think we've got, what, is it three more weeks after tonight? Um, I'm just going to kind of just cover how best to position yourself for healing um and so we're going to kind of talk about that um how, how do we position ourselves really uh, um, in, in the best way to really begin to receive and to walk in the divine healing that I believe that Jesus uh, came to bless us with. So just over the next couple of weeks, we're going to kind of just wrap this up. And and, and really, I, I've really only scratched the surface on, on this healing stuff. Um, but uh, I want to kind of just talk about really how to position yourself best to receive and to walk in this divine healing. And I want to kind of use Proverbs chapter 4 verses 20 through 22. I want to kind of use this as a backdrop. Um, And we're going to kind of just uh, walk through this very slowly and carefully together. And there it says, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. So again, I want to kind of just break this down. We're going to kind of just walk through this um, phrase by phrase. Again, one of the first ways that you can best position yourself to receive and to just walk in healing, again, um, is intimate fellowship or an intimate relationship with the Father. All of the promises, all of the blessings that God has for us, his children, really kind of spring out of, they really come out of God's desire for us to enter into a close and an intimate relationship with him. And that's why I think Proverbs chapter 4 there, verse 20, just kind of starts off with those two words, my son." Now that phrase, my son, it is a phrase that is repeated often throughout the book of Proverbs. Okay, it indicates it implies more than just a physical relationship there between a father and his male offspring. the The Hebrew uh, word for the word "son" there really kind of means builder of the family name. So, the son, really, as the builder of the family name, he is the one who receives. All of the benefits, the gains, the father has accumulated in his lifetime. It is passing on what has been gained from one generation to the next in order for the recipient, again, the one who receives that, to kind of expand on that, to build on that, to add to what has been passed on to them. And so this verse is really meant to kind of define, it is there to convey a relationship between a father and his son. And it's also analogous to a relationship between God the Father and us, his children. Now, again, it is important, again, for a relationship. Uh, for us between ourselves and uh, God the Father, and for any of us to be able to walk in any of the blessings that God has for us, okay? God provides that out of his relationship with us, and, and that includes healing as well. We have a, a relationship with God where we have put our faith and our trust in Jesus as, as Lord and Savior. And in that relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior, there is also an implied relationship that we have, and we have access through Jesus, our relationship with him, we have access to God the Father. We clearly see this in the uh, prayer model that Jesus gives us. If you go back and just look at the Lord's prayer, our Father, it's who we are appealing to. We're appealing to the Father through our relationship with the Son. So our Father, who art in heaven. Now there in... um, the, that prayer, you'll find that portion. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, again, I believe that that daily bread, it is a reference both to our physical food as well as our spiritual food. Uh, oftentimes, I like to think of communion. Again, as part of that, uh, I think, um, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name that has that book out um, Yes, Perry Stone uh, has that uh, book out, and basically he kind of makes that connection um, and really encourages and and really builds, I think, a very strong case in there that that we should be taking communion every day. And, And he calls that the meal that heals. Um, and so he kind of uh, really strongly encourages as, as one of those ways of, of fellowship, of communing, of building that relationship with God the Father, that we should be receiving communion on a daily basis because it, it is part of that remembrance of the atoning work of Christ. His body's broken, his blood is shed, through that we have the forgiveness of sin, through that we have healing. So as you partake of that on a daily basis, you're remembering that you're you're bringing that to your remembrance you're bringing that to god's remembrance that through this meal i have the forgiveness of sin i have the healing of my body and so again this is very very much of what i think jesus is getting across there when he says give us this day our daily Bread, as we just commune in in receiving the bread, the wine. Again, part of that is we're building relationship with God the Father. Um, so um, also Jesus says in Matthew 4, 4, following his 40 days in the wilderness, he says man shall not live on bread alone, but he says on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So again, as we're just focusing, we're meditating, we're really chewing on uh, the word of God, we're, we're, we're focusing on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When you do that, you're gonna just inevitably begin to build a relationship with God. As a matter of fact, it's one of the things Jesus lived out during his lifetime here on earth. In Mark 14, 36, as Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane prior to going to the cross, he addresses his heavenly father as Abba. Now this was, this was just a huge shift for the religious people of the day. They would often think of of God in very distant terms. Jesus introduces here a very intimate term in referring to God the Father. And Jesus was saying there, it says in Mark 14, 36, was saying, Abba, Father. Now that word Abba, it kind of means Daddy, it's how we would uh, interpret that today—a very intimate um, uh, appeal and an address uh, to God. So he would say, "Abba, Daddy, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but you will." Now, again, that word "Abba" it is an Aramaic word, and again, it is a very intimate. It is a very personal way to um, refer or to address someone who is a father. Again, it's how we would use the the term daddy or dad if we were addressing our fathers, our our human fathers. Again, the name Abba was one of the first names uh, a baby would utter. You know, mama, dada, you know, daddy. So again, um, the name Abba, it just conveys just the sense of intimacy the sense of unreasoning trust there is a a, a very deep confidence in this relationship uh this person that you're calling abba or daddy and jesus in calling his heavenly father abba or daddy was again conveying he was demonstrating a very deep a very personal a very intimate relationship with god and and so again he's modeling for us the kind of relationship the father desires to have with us Um, And this is exactly the kind of relationship Paul's referring to there in Romans chapter 8. And he says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. He said, instead, you received God's Holy Spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and because of that, he says, now you have the right, you have the privilege, out of that relationship, Paul says, we can now call him Abba, Father. Just like Jesus did there in Mark 14. He said, for his spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, joins with our spirit, your inner man, To affirm that we are God's children. Now, I've said this before, but I know some of you are just going to hear this for the first time because you haven't been here for um, very long. Um, I always say, people say this all the time, how can you know that you're saved? I mean, how do you know? And, And you'll hear people say, I know that I know that I know that I know. How do you know? This is, Paul tells you right here. Paul says, you know, because when his spirit testifies to your spirit, okay, his spirit confirms to your spirit you're a child of God. I can't prove that to you. All I can tell you is because his spirit testifies with my spirit that I am his child. I know that I know that I know that I know. And that's that's what that's what Paul says there. That's a relationship. That's intimacy. I can't prove that to you, but I can just tell you, I know that I know that I know that I know because his spirit has testified, he's confirmed it to my spirit, I am his child. And Paul says, and out of that, since we are his children, we are his children. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. And again, he says, that's the kind of children we are because that's the kind of father God is. Let me just do, um, let me just stop here. Uh, I I do want to, I want to have just a little bit of, of time for prayer uh, tonight. Um, but we'll pick up here, again, uh, just talking about the, the intimacy. And what I want to kind of get into next year is, or next week, is Jesus really, this is the purpose, one of the purposes Jesus came for. It, it, it was for our atonement. It was to go to the cross, to hang there, to die for our sins, to carry our sicknesses, to bear our diseases. But one other thing uh, that that I have uh, talked about before, uh, a lot on Sunday mornings, is one of the reasons Jesus came was to really reveal to us the heart of the father Um, because we really don't know and we oftentimes have very um, messed up we have very confused we have very tortured understandings of who the father is and one of the reasons jesus came was to reveal to us the true nature the true identity the true heart of the father and so um and and Jesus modeled for us how to walk in a, a deeper, intimate relationship with God the Father, and we're gonna we're gonna start unpacking that um, next week because again, it really ties into those first two words, um, "My Son." Again, just that sense of intimacy that God is calling us into, God is calling us into that place of intimacy with him and it 's really out of that place of intimacy that God wants to begin to really um, uh, shower us with with the blessings with the promises, and among those again is for our healing so let 's just um, i 'm going to invite the worship team to come back up on the platform i 'm just going to pray, and then if you 're here tonight, I, I know Barb is here uh, I, I know Leslie. Uh, is here, Uh, Maryland, Uh, there are people, I know Tom and Pam, there are people here tonight that would love to just pray for you, especially if you're here tonight uh, just in need of of healing. It doesn't have to just be confined to that. If you have other needs here tonight, we'd we'd love to just be able uh, to pray with you tonight. Um, So as we kind of close out tonight, if you're here and and just want prayer for healing tonight, we want to be able to do that. If you're out here um, and and you want to come up and pray For other people, for healing, Uh, if somebody comes up and you feel led to come, just kind of come and and lay hands um, on them uh, and just pray for them silently if if you're not comfortable praying out loud. You can just, even sometimes I know um, if... Barb's over here praying. Sometimes I'll just kind of come alongside and I'll just be in agreement with what she's saying. So that may be what you want to just come up tonight is somebody's praying over a person. You just kind of come. You just stand alongside. Wherever two or more gathered together in my name, Jesus said, I am there. Wherever two or, or, or three witnesses agree on any one thing. So sometimes just coming into agreement with the person that's praying, there's power in that. So if, you're, if you feel led to kind of come up and just to lay hands and just to stand in agreement with the person who's praying tonight, feel free to do that as well. Father, we just thank you. And Lord, we, we use that, that word Father in just the way that, that Jesus used it. And tonight, we just, we just come out of that place of, of intimacy with you tonight. God, not out of perfection, not out of because we've done this and that and, and we're, we're deserving of this, none of that, God. We're, we're coming tonight just out of relationship. You are our father. You're our daddy, and we matter to you. As a matter of fact, we matter so much, and you love us so much that your word says you sent your one and only begotten Son. And that as we just look to him, as we put our faith and our trust in him, that, God, we will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. Father, Jesus said he came into the world. You you sent him. He came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him should be saved and that word saved there Lord it's not just our salvation but that word there also includes our healing it includes our deliverance it includes our peace and Jesus you came to provide an atonement you came to provide a sacrifice out of that great love that you and the Father and the Holy Spirit have for us. So tonight, we just come in response to that. We thank you that you love us, that you love us so much that, Jesus, you went to the cross, you bled and you died so that our sins could be forgiven that our sicknesses, our diseases could be healed. God, there's just something about that thats it's hard to believe, but it's true. And so tonight, Lord, even if we come with just faith that that is the size of a mustard seed, it, it could be just very teeny, tiny amount of faith tonight. Jesus, you said with just the smallest amount of faith that we could say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and it would be cast into the sea. So tonight, Lord, as we come, as we come before our heavenly Father, our Daddy, Lord, as we come maybe with just faith that is no bigger than a mustard seed. We ask, God, if there are mountains in here that need to be moved tonight, we ask, Lord, that those would be moved. Again, not out of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And, Father, we are heirs of that. We're joint heirs with Christ. And we just thank you for all that has been provided for our physical life, for our spiritual life. You've got us covered. So, Lord, we just thank you. And, Lord, we just want to just step out in that tonight for our particular needs, for our particular challenges or struggles, whatever we may be dealing with tonight. God, that we would be able just to step into that tonight by faith. And know that you've got us covered. You've got our back. You've made the provision. We just want to access that. We want to walk in that tonight, Father. And we just thank you that we can do that with confidence. We can do that with boldness. We can do that with great assurance because of what Jesus has done for us. And we just come in that tonight. In his name we pray. Amen. If you're here tonight and just want prayer for healing for any other thing tonight, we just invite you to come forward as we just enter into time of worship.